Well, if the doctors calculated correctly, in about eight days from today, Brent and I are going to be grandparents. And uh, that's very exciting. Because you see, every time there's birth, there is joy. And uh, by the way, don't even ask me whether it's a boy or a girl because not even the parents know yet. Uh, they wanted it to be a surprise. And you know, it's just uh, so good to, to think about birth. I'm just thinking about holding this new baby, Halleck, which I haven't done in many, many years. And, uh, you know, every time you talk about birth, there's joy. There's something happy about that experience. And so when Jesus talked to a great statesman in the Bible in John chapter 3, and you can open your Bible there, he talked about a subject that was relevant at any time of the earth, whether it's past, present, or future. And so this familiar story that we're going to read this morning that you've heard many times that I hope you've read many times. In fact, I hope you've memorized it, but some of you have never heard it. It is one of the most important stories in all of Scripture. In chapter 3 of the book of John, and we're going to stand in honor of God's Word for this reading through verse 9. Let's stand together as I read. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council, and he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know your teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. So in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You may be seated. And may God challenge us today with his word. So the scriptures talk about a new birth that God wants every person on this earth to have. He wants you to have this new birth. It is a birth that comes from above. And today I trust and I hope that you will come to Christ in case you've never done it before, that you'll put your life in his life, that you'll trust him as your savior. And there's going to be an opportunity at the end of this service. I'm going to be here in front to receive people who want to give their life to Christ and let him transform them as he has so many, many that are here today. Now, birth, like we said, provides so much joy. Parents do things that they've never done before. They get all excited about it. They say, well, now the baby's coming, so we have to prepare a room for it. So they prepare this room. And they say, well, we have to paint the room. So they paint the room. And then they have to say, well, we're going to have to have a baby bed. So they buy the bed. And then they say, well, we have to have a stroller because one of these days we're going to stroll the baby. And then we have to buy a car seat. And then they, they start buying toys. Now they buy all kinds of toys. Now just think about that. The baby doesn't even know. He won't know for a long time that the toys are toys, but you know, it's just fun. 
And you do all kinds of things you wouldn't do any other time in your life with uh, babies. And then you must tell people that that baby has been born. That's the first thing you always do. I was uh, talking to a man named Sal Ciariano this week. He's an Italian uh, manager of uh, a bus company. And I'd only talked to him two times before, no more than four minutes each uh, for the whole time, two minutes each, I guess. But I talked to him this uh, week, and you know what he said to me? We have a new baby boy at our house. I mean, he was so excited. He was so happy. And uh, the amazing thing is, you know what? Uh, I don't know where Sal lives. Uh, I don't know anything about Sal. I don't know him. But I do know one thing. He has a baby boy. I mean, he was so excited. He was so happy because birth is a miracle. So you see, Jesus brings to the conversation with this man, Nicodemus, birth. He wants to talk about the most vital truth about God, and he uses birth. So when they talk about it, they just bring, Jesus brings a new angle into this idea of birth. And yet, what we need to decide here today, and some of you, and I, and all of us really, how does this relate to me today? After all, it was a story that was told 2,000 years ago, and what is the story? Who was this man, Nicodemus? Now, from history, we gather several truths about him. First of all, he was what we call a Pharisee, which was a, a religious sect. And what I'd like to ask you today is this question. Do you and Nicodemus have anything in common? Is there anything about his life, even just one thing, that would touch you? You say, well, I'm really, I guess I'm really like that. So what was the Pharisee like? Well, the first thing about the Pharisees, they were conservatives. You think that hits you? Or at least some of you? If not most of you? Now, they tended to be middle class, but they were willing and open to religious innovation. You know, sometimes it's a little hard for us to change, but, uh, you know, they were willing to change once in a while. They were not as legalistic as the Sadducees in their interpretation of Scripture. They did uh, believe in divine promise, uh, providence. They believed in the resurrection. They believed in angels, but they were also fatalistic. But he was not only a Pharisee, he was also a member of the Sanhedrin. And his handbook of Jewish thought, Rabbi Kaplan, talks about the Supreme Council, court, and legislative body of Israel. They used to claim that Moses was the first president of the Sanhedrin. Now, in order for you to be a member of the Sanhedrin, you had to be distinguished in Torah law. Now, that would sort of be like our scriptures today. Many of you have read the Bible many, many times, and uh, many of you are sort of experts in this. But uh, they also had to be wise and Humility had to be part of their life. Uh, They had to fear God. They had to uh, love truth, love fellow man, have a good reputation. They had to have enough knowledge of science and mathematics that they could adapt the Torah law to all possible problems. They needed to know something about religions and even the occult and idolatry. They also had to be acquainted with a few languages because there was no interpretation there in the court. They had to listen to these people from their own language. And they must be of good appearance. Well, if you hadn't found yourself up to this moment, I know you have now. Because every person here, of course, has good appearance. 
And uh, they were usually about 40 years of age unless they were wise and respected among their peers. So you see, really it applies to all of us. When Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, he wasn't just speaking to that one man. He really had in mind a global thinking because all of you need to know about this truth. So what is it that Jesus wanted for Nicodemus? What does he want for you today? Well, Jesus wanted, and he wants, your personal perspective on birth to be broadened because he knew and he knows that it can transform your life just like it transformed the life of that man many years ago. And so this conversation begins. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, and so often, you know, we get all concerned about whether it was at night or why at night. You know, we just, let's not worry about that. He came to Jesus. That's all that matters. And, you know, he begins to have this conversation. And it's interesting to me that he didn't ask any questions. He starts with a statement to Jesus. And he said, you know, God, or actually he says, Jesus, you know, you are a teacher who has come from God, and no one could perform these miracles that you perform unless he had come from God. And so in the back of his mind, Nicodemus is already thinking, well, you know, um, this is an amazing person. He's walking out here. Crowds are following him. He's performing miracles. We haven't seen this. He says he's from God. Something has to be true. I must find out what he's doing. What is this all about? And so he comes and he begins the dialogue with Jesus. Now, Jesus replies, the Bible says, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born from above. That's really the Greek word. Unless he's born from above. And I want you to know that when Jesus said, unless you're born from above, he was really making a statement that we would call today in America outside the box. It was not a normal statement. Now, the very interesting thing is that Nicodemus really didn't pay attention. He did not hear, truly hear what Jesus said. All he heard was birth. And so what he does, thinking in natural terms, thinking in only one dimension, thinking inside the box, he comes back with a statement about birth. He says, how can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Nicodemus, that's not what I'm talking about. It's not about this natural birth. It's not about a birth based on human decisions. It's not about a birth based on a husband's will, as it says in John chapter 1, verse 12. So Jesus, in his kindness... Does talk about physical birth. He says, Yes, Nicodemus, let me tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Now, in your Bible, if you notice, Spirit is a capital S, gives birth to Spirit, little s, because one is the Spirit of God. The other one is our spirit. Now, the Bible teaches in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 that you and I are made up of body, of soul, and spirit. Now, the soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. What you think, 
What you feel and what you do, your actions, that's your soul. And then there's the spirit. The spirit is that innermost part of your life. It is where faith lives. It is where conscience is. It is that deepest, deepest part where you and God really start a relationship. And Jesus said, unless you are born from the Spirit, unless the Spirit of God comes into your life, you cannot be born from above. Now Nicodemus' mind is spinning. Jesus could see this intelligent man's mind spinning. So he decides to give him a very common illustration. And he talks about the wind. And he says to him, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You know, uh, Bruce Williams, the great golfer, he understands all about it. And I've played about six or seven times in my life. I know enough to know that it's tough to play golf. You know, I, I put that ball down there and they say, look, just look at the ball. I look at the ball. I swing and I miss. They say, no, you've got to hit the ground. Well, I'm, I'm a, I, you know, I'm green. I'm a, I don't want to hurt the ground. I don't want to hurt the grass. And so uh, when I am lucky enough to hit the ball, I, I've learned one thing. It either goes that way or that way. It never goes forward where it's supposed to go. So I don't know much about But you know what? I love to watch golf on television. It's calm, you know, and there's not a lot of noise. And everybody's trying to just be quiet. And sometimes it's good to be quiet. And, and so I enjoy that. And I notice, though, once in a while that these pro golfers, they'll pick up a blade of grass. And they throw it up in the air. And they watch to see what happens to the blade. It goes this way or that way or the other way. And based on that very moment, they act on what they've just discovered. Now, let me tell you something. They don't know where that wind's come from. They don't know where the wind is going. But they know that at that very moment, where it is, and they act on it. And the Spirit of God is... You don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going. But I'll tell you something, that right at this very moment, it is speaking to you. And he is telling you, believe in me. And that's why Jesus, as he explained to Nicodemus a little bit further, because Nicodemus said, how can this be? I don't understand this moment of the wind. He quotes the climactic verse in all of Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only son, that whosoever believeth in him should not die, but have everlasting life. You can have everlasting life today, right here, right now. And despite anything you think about God today, I want to assure you that God, the creator, loves you. He cares about you. He knows your name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Despite the evil that you've seen in the world. And I was talking to someone recently and this person said to me, I don't go to church. 
I don't like church. I never will go to church. I can do my thing with God any place I desire. And I said, well, okay. And we get to talking. And we talked a little longer, a little longer, a little longer. And finally, she said to me, in my country, there was a man that was representing God. And he abused some people in my family, some women. And I want nothing to do with the church. Now, I want you to know this. It wasn't God's fault. In fact, Jesus said this about anyone that hurts anyone else and makes them stumble. He said it would be better for a millstone. If you can imagine a tire in one of these big trucks today, gigantic tire, that thick, with a hole in the middle like a donut. That's a millstone. Well, that a millstone would be tied around their neck and that person would be thrown into the bottom of the sea. And the reason he said that is because he cares about you. He wants you to be born from above. He wants you to have new life. And this new birth means this. It means that you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the only Son of God and He's the only one that can bring life to you. You know, to believe in, sometimes it's hard to really understand. But here's a very simple, simple illustration. I know that most of you have been on planes before, but suppose that you never had. And you look at those planes up in the air and you say, well, I'd just love to fly one day. And one day you meet a pilot and you become his friend and discover he has a little plane, and he finds out you want to fly. He says, hey, if you want to fly, come up with me. And I'll just meet me at 2 o'clock up here at the airfield. And so you think about that. You wonder about that. You say, should I, shouldn't I? You know, other people. Oh, okay, so I'll go. Well, you get there. And he says, okay, here's the plane. Get in. And we're going to fly. So you have to make a decision. But you say, okay, I trust you. See, believe means to trust and to obey. To trust and to obey. So, you get in the plane. You've trusted in him. Then he says, tie, put on your seatbelt. So you put on your seatbelt. You've just obeyed him. And then you take off. And at that moment, there has been faith, belief in the flight. You know, it's not that complicated. Jesus didn't want to make this complicated. He made it as simple as he could to one of the most intellectual, one of the most intelligent men of the time. And we know that you're intelligent and that you can accept and believe in this. Let me tell you something. When Jesus Christ enters your life, here's what happens. He forgives you of your sin. He, want to walk, he wants to walk with you until life on earth ends. It is a forever relationship. When Christ comes into your life, He gives you peace that the world does not understand. He transforms your way of thinking. He gives you purpose in life. And as the young people would say, it's an awesome experience. And He also said to Nicodemus, unless you were born from above, you cannot see. And then later He said, you cannot enter the kingdom 
of God. You know, many of you have visited countries and kingdoms and beautiful places. And I'm sure some of you have been in a place that is so beautiful you said, wow, this looks like heaven. Well, let me tell you, there's a better place than that. And it's the kingdom of God. And when you enter the kingdom of God, there's a peace that floods your being. I'll tell you, it is a wonderful experience. Christ will do it for you. One of the great tragedies of our time is that over 50 million babies, in America at least, were kept from being born and experiencing life. Because you see, a baby in the womb has no way to avoid an abortion if the parent desires to have one. But once you are physically born, you can avoid spiritual abortions. Because today, the Spirit of God may be convincing you at this very moment of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And right now, you have the power to either abort yourself spiritually, which means to die spiritually, to reject God, or... You have the power to accept the grace of God and thereby allow the most beautiful birth in all the world to take place in your heart. You can enter the kingdom of God, but in order to enter, you must be born from above. Let me ask you this question. Will you allow the Spirit of God today? Even though you don't understand all about it, you don't have to do that. But would you allow the Spirit of God to come in and bear witness with your spirit so that today you can leave here a child of God? That's what he wants. That's what all of us want. It's such a wonderful experience. As I was listening to the choir sing, I surrender all. I'm thinking, wow, all of these people have given their life to Christ. And so today they can say, God, whatever comes my way, I just surrender it all to you.